You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number three. Hi, you guys. Thank you for joining me this week. This week is a very special week because this is the very first episode where I'm actually talking to another person besides myself. If you are a new listener of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, here's how this whole podcast is going to work. There are going to be some episodes that I do where it's just me answering questions. I call them extended Q&As. And then there are going to be these types of episodes where I'm interviewing an expert in this case. And then there are also going to be episodes where I'm interviewing moms who have given birth and hearing about their birth stories. So in this case, we're doing an expert interview, and I am proud to announce that this expert interview is a good friend of mine that I have met in this online space. Her name is Asherina Reem, and she is a clinical licensed psychologist. And today we are going to be talking all about perinatal mental health. Dr. Reem has advanced training in perinatal mental health, and her passion to help pregnant and postpartum families arose after becoming a mom herself. So we are going to be talking about everything from postpartum depression, prenatal depression, postpartum anxiety, coping techniques, partner's mental health, and everything in between. So I am very excited to get started. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Before we dive into today's episode, let me talk to you guys a little bit about this week's sponsor, Motif Medical. Motif Medical designs products for moms. Their line of breast pumps and maternity compression garments are sophisticated and discreet, made for your busy day in mind. They sent me their new breast pump, the Luna, and I wish I were still breastfeeding so I could try this thing out firsthand because it is fancy. Sophisticated, strong, and soothing, the Luna is a powerful new breast pump by Motif Medical, built for modern motherhood and covered by insurance. Yay! Sleek on the outside with hospital strength suction on the inside, moms are seeing that the Luna pumps more milk in less time and is easy to use with a quiet motor that won't wake your baby. Two different modes, massage and expression, provide full control and maximum comfort. These modes stimulate letdown by mimicking your baby's natural nursing pattern and expressing milk from the breast with high efficiency. It's also a closed system with backflow protection that keeps the motor and tubing clean, preventing contamination. It's also super lightweight, only weighing two pounds. Built compact for easy mobility. If you're interested in anything Motif Medical has to offer, head over to their website, motifmedical.com for more info. And now let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, Asherino. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Can you start by telling listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I am a licensed psychologist and prior to becoming a mom, I was working with a number of different populations. What many people don't know, especially people follow me on Instagram, is I actually used to work in eating disorder recovery, a lot of health psychology, cognitive therapy, I used to work with parents for support with parenting skills. And then I became a mom and I 
realized what a transition it was. Yeah. And I, I really, <laughs> totally get that. The biggest and hardest transition of my life. So I felt this pull to research more about maternal mental health. And that is when I became a certified perinatal mental health care provider. And I have spent pretty much all of my free time specializing in this, researching it and helping people learn more about it because I, I don't want anyone out there to feel alone, kind of like how I felt during my yeah. transition to motherhood. I love that. Yeah, no, because I feel like that's a, such a common feeling that moms feel when they become moms. I mean, obviously it changes your life so much when you have a kid, but honestly, that's why I love those Facebook groups that you can join yes. uh, that are support groups that people are just talking back and forth and, and everything. Cause yeah, you're so right. Like that's so common. And I, I see comments like that come in all the time on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. So Okay. Well, cool. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. So what we are doing today for this podcast episode, guys, is I have taken questions from Asherina's. She did a takeover for me a few months back and I've taken some questions from there. You guys always submit so many questions. And obviously when she did that takeover, she couldn't get to every single question. So I've taken some questions from there. So we're just going to dive in and go over these questions. So the first question is, is prenatal depression and or anxiety a thing and how is it diagnosed and treated? So yes, it is a thing. We don't hear this often. They're actually called perinatal mood and anxiety disorders because they occur in pregnancy as well. A lot of people don't even notice it, but there was a large scale study done in about 2013 by JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. Mm -hmm. It was a study of 10,000 women and they found that 21% had postpartum depression, but 33.4% of those cases actually had an onset during pregnancy. And so many wow. of those cases wow. go miss. Yeah. We, and we don't talk about it. So we just kind of chalk those that, that up to like, oh, you're hormonal or, oh, you're, you know, yeah. we're just excited that the baby's coming. And we don't realize that it actually can occur in pregnancy. And oftentimes there are signs throughout your pregnancy into delivery that are saying maybe something is off, but we just don't know that that's a thing. Wow. So it can be diagnosed by a number of providers. If you're already seeing a therapist, they might be tuned to that. And they might be picking up on some of these things. Mm -hmm. Some pediatrician offices are actually screening, but I'm going to be honest, you can't necessarily leave it up to a provider to detect something like this because not all providers yeah. are. Yeah, they're not. Right. I'm sure probably a lot of people get told these things of, oh, it's hormonal or, oh, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're just Absolutely. excited from their providers. Like it's not even just like their friends or their moms or whatever. It's like their providers are telling them this. Yes. So totally get that. Absolutely. And if I know we need to do a better job as providers because I feel like there needs to be a lot yes. more education and I'm an advocate for that. And I'm trying to work in my community and hopefully like internationally, globally, whatever it looks like to educate people. But yeah, we need to be doing better at asking the right questions. But I think that advocating for ourselves is so important. And when we feel like anything is off, it's up to us to say, you know what, something is off. And if the first person doesn't acknowledge that, we find the next person. Mm -hmm. So I love postpartum.net. It's uh, Postpartum Support International. Mm -hmm. And I'm always talking about postpartum.net. And I'm not sponsored by them. I don't work for them. <laughs> but <laughs> I... That's fine. Yeah. It's a great resource. and to get treated. 
it's different for different people. So sometimes that looks like individual therapy. Sometimes that looks like a support group. Sometimes that looks like medication. Sometimes it looks like all of those things. Cool. So if you go to postpartum.net, they have a list of a ton of resources. And I'm sure I'll be talking more about it as we go yeah. on. Yeah. But and I'll absolutely it. add that to the show notes page too. So that's great. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay, cool. Well, let's go on to the next question. So the next one is this person asked, are there any coping techniques for anxiety during pregnancy after having a loss. And actually, this person, she put a little bit more detail. She said she had had a third trimester loss. So that was a little bit different. But I guess I want to know just for, because I, I feel like I get this question all the time that people are so, so anxious during their pregnancies after they've had miscarriages or losses. So I would love for you to talk about this question because this is so, so common. It is really common, unfortunately. And I want to just say that if you are experiencing this, I'm so sorry because I, yeah. I actually know this one personally. This one was something that I went through. And I think one of the things is it's really hard to just connect to pregnancy after loss because you feel like if I mm-hmm. try to connect, then maybe something bad is bound to happen. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of how I felt in my own experience. So Good you point. kind yeah. of put a guard up where you're trying to protect yourself. And I know this is hard, but I'm going to tell you that I wish... I would have done a better job during my pregnancy with my son connecting with my pregnancy. Yeah. Because I think that would have made it a little more real to me rather than just saying, okay, you're going to keep going like business as usual and pretend like this isn't happening. I did create like a mantra for myself when I was pregnant with my son. And every day I would wake up and I would say, today I'm pregnant for that. I'm grateful. And every single day I would tell myself that today I'm pregnant for that. I'm grateful. And it's kind of what got me through because that so is often, so great. yeah, you get really discouraged about the future and you're just like so worried about it. And I loved just having that thought to remind me and reflect on that. But I really want to talk about three things that I think are really important to manage that anxiety throughout pregnancy after loss. The first is relaxing your body. It's figuring out what works for you to relax your body. The second thing is going to be changing the way that we think. And the third thing is finding our support. So relaxation okay. techniques. I love it. Yeah, it's so important to have, like, I always tell people, like, a toolbox. You need your own little toolbox of things that you do to help you through. So relaxation techniques, these are things that I use. I'm a psychologist, and I don't tell people to do stuff unless I practice it myself, and I'm walking it out myself. So an easy thing I tend to do is a grounding exercise. I will use my senses to just focus on the moment. So if I notice myself getting overwhelmed or tense I will just bring myself to my awareness of my five senses. And I'll just say, what am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling? What am I seeing? And I just go through that stuff. And I just keep doing that until I can focus on my senses. And if I have a thought that pops up, I will bring my awareness to it and say, okay, you're having a thought, let it pass, Mm -hmm. bring myself back to my senses. And I like to do this. Like if I really have like a Zen moment and that's really hard for kids, but if you yeah. go outside like with a cup of coffee and just like sit out like on your, wherever you live, if you have like a back, whatever, back mm-hmm. patio or whatever. And I like to do this and just like run my foot through the grass, taste my warm coffee, do that for as like a few minutes just to get myself back in the moment. I love that. I, yeah, I that's really- so great. I do kind of a similar thing when I get really anxious. And I think it's also important that you brought up that you like remove yourself from the situation too, because that's super important. And that's something that my therapist taught me is, okay, if you feel yourself building up, you know, if you can, you know, sometimes you can't, you're in the car or something, but like, if you can remove yourself from the situation, that seriously makes all the difference. (laughs) 
100%. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. For answering that. Cause I feel like that is so, so important for people. So next question is, is it normal to be extremely emotional in the days slash weeks leading up to birth? And I feel like everybody kind of knows the answer to this question, but you can elaborate on that. You know, it can be. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So I think for a number of reasons, so you're experiencing a large transition and whether it is a hormonal shift, because this is happening, you know, we are experiencing several shifts in our hormones, or whether you are recognizing the magnitude of the life change, and you're going to experience a wave of emotions, even if it's like, very apparent to you, oh my goodness, we're prepping for this big change, or maybe if it's not, and it's really just the subconscious experience where you're realizing that there's a big life change. Yes, absolutely. Being emotional in the days and weeks leading up to birth, I believe, and in my experience has been quite normal. Yeah, totally agree. (laughs) Cool. All right. So the next question is, what can I do if I feel like I have post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, from my traumatic birth experience? So I feel like, gosh, traumatic birth, first of all, needs to be talked about a lot more than it is. And PTSD related to a traumatic birth experience needs to be talked about a whole lot more. So I'll let you go ahead and elaborate on that. Yes. So this is a great question because I think that people don't even realize that they can experience post-traumatic stress after birth, or they don't realize that they can even have a quote unquote traumatic birth. And there are a number of experiences that can lead to this. You know, people are like, well, what does that mean? Or what does that look like? And I always tell people that trauma is in the eye of the beholder. So whatever it is that you experience, if it was traumatic to you, then it was trauma. And this doesn't even have to go for the person delivering the baby. I mean, it could be not the person, I'm sorry, not the person carrying the baby. It could be for your partner. It could be for the nursing staff or the physicians. It could be for anybody that is there that witnessed it. That is a really good point. Because I know there's been some traumatic experiences that (laughs) happened to me at work. And Uh I mean, I don't think I have longstanding post-traumatic stresses from these episodes, but that is a very, very good point because I don't think anybody really ever talks about that. Yeah. You're experiencing it so frequently that it's like this compounded experience of stress. stress. So yes, anybody that is there can experience that trauma and it can be from anything, you know, hemorrhage, whether it was an unexpected C-section, if it give a NICU stay, really anything. And I could go over that for days, but I won't give you all the details. But I say that this is really important because trauma can put you at risk for avoiding your aftercare, having a hard Mm -hmm. time connecting with baby, sexual Mm -hmm. dysfunction, avoiding future pregnancies. So there's so many risk factors. So I always tell people that getting connected with a provider really trauma left untreated will result in so many emotional, physical, and mental issues if left unresolved. So it's really, really important to get connected with a provider and trauma responds to different treatment modalities. So I think it's really helpful to see somebody that specializes in trauma. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a therapy approach called EMDR and that's Mm -hmm. eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. And this, this is specifically tailored for trauma. There's trauma-focused CBT, or otherwise known as cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. There's narrative therapy. There are a number of approaches for trauma. And so I always tell people, we want to find somebody that A, knows about perinatal mental health, but also somebody that is trauma-informed. And that's so, so important because if you see somebody that's not trained in trauma, they may not be able to help you. They will not be able to help you the way that you need to be helped. So when you go looking for somebody, it's very important that you get connected with somebody who's trained and has that that. expertise. 
I love that. That is so important. And do you think this is something that we should be seeing a doctor first or provider first, and then they're kind of making that bridge towards somebody who's like a therapist who's trained in trauma? But what what did yeah. what would you say? <laughs> I really think it depends on the relationship you have with your provider. Yeah. If you feel like you don't really have a relationship with your provider, you might not want to go and bring that up to them. So post like again, postpartum.net. We'll have a link. They have a helpline where you can call and talk to somebody and they will return your call. They have a local coordinator in your area where you can call and they can get you plugged in with resources, whether that's a support group, individual therapist, or a psychiatric provider. And they will help you locate based on your needs, all the providers that you want. And they have online support groups and in person. But I think that they are skilled providers and volunteers that are very familiar with perinatal mental health. And sometimes if you're really very connected with your OB and you feel like you are heard and seen by them, mm-hmm. it might be a good idea to talk to them because they might have a really good referral for you. Cool. So it just, it depends on how you feel about it all. Cool. Yeah, no, I love that. And again, bringing up postpartum.net, that's super, super important. Awesome. Next question is, I think this one's also common. All of these questions are very common that I get, but how can you really tell the difference between postpartum depression and just having baby blues? Because I feel like baby blues, I mean, I feel like almost everybody experiences that, but what is really the main differences that we can look for? This is such a great question because I get, I hear these get confused all the time. Yeah. And often it's people dismissing postpartum depression and calling it baby blues. Like, oh, you just have the baby blues. It is, you know, if your body is going through all these hormonal changes, it'll be gone soon. And it's not, it's not, that's not the case. So baby blues affects 60 to 80% of new moms. And This is where you are maybe crying, feeling overwhelmed with motherhood, having acute sleep deprivation and fatigue. It's mild in nature Mm -hmm. and it lasts no more than about two days to two weeks. And it peaks about three to five days after delivery. So this is due to a hormonal fluctuation. After we deliver the placenta, you know, our hormones are plummeting and now we're experiencing this reaction to that. And this is not a psychiatric process. So like I said, roughly two weeks after birth, you'll notice that these symptoms resolve. That's what baby blues is. It's very time limited, it's mild, and it's not a psychiatric process. Postpartum mm-hmm. depression, you know, this is not something that's limited to that two weeks. This is something that will continue beyond those first two weeks. And it'll include a lot of similar, you know, characteristics with like that sadness. Sometimes moms will complain of physical complaints like pain or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. They may have suicidal thoughts but I want to also let you know that it's not necessary to have suicidal thoughts. So some people will think like, well, I'm not experiencing that because I don't have suicidal thoughts. You might have appetite changes. You might feel hopeless, guilt and shame, overwhelmed. There's a number of symptoms. And often I tell moms, if you're saying to yourself regularly, you know, this doesn't feel like me, Mm -hmm. something is off and we need to assess that. But it's a cluster of symptoms and you don't have to have all of them. It's just that these are kind of like the hallmark symptoms of postpartum depression. Also, I want to caution people that sometimes it might not look like that at all. It might not be a sad or weepy depressive experience. It can be an irritable depression mm-hmm. where mom is feeling like everything is setting me off and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the profile of somebody that might be experiencing postpartum depression. And it's more severe than what that initial baby blues experience is. It's more chronic. And it is due to a psychiatric process. Interesting. Cool. Well, that is super helpful. 
And we are going to get right back into this week's episode with Asherina, but here is a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by The Baby's Brew, and The Baby's Brew is the world's first battery-powered portable bottle warmer. It works for both formula and breast milk, and it has three temperature settings, the lowest being body temperature, 98.6, which is perfect for breast milk. It can maintain the bottle's warm temperature for two to three hours, and it is TSA approved, so it's perfect for travel. The formula dispenser can be sterilized and the warmer is water resistant and can be cleaned with soap and water. It was also created by a military spouse and the company is fully run and operated by military spouses, which I happen to think is super cool. It's compatible with over 30 bottle brands and they also have adapters for countless other bottles. They actually sent me one of these things, you guys, and it is sleek. It is fancy. I am very, very impressed with this thing. Who knew that there are battery-powered bottle warmers nowadays. <laughs> so if you are interested in this bottle warmer, you can go to thebabiesbrew.com and use the code LEASEL and you can save 15%. And now let's get back into this week's episode. There's a question further down that I feel like is a good follow-up to this one. And it's, can you have postpartum mental health issues after having a miscarriage? And I believe the answer is yes, correct? Yes, absolutely. So moms who miscarry are actually at increased risk for PTSD, makes sense, CD, and anxiety, yeah. and they will yeah. report, you know, increased anxiety and a lot of these symptoms because of that loss. So yeah. a they're experiencing a shift in the hormones, but they're also grieving and they're feeling a sense of loss that's resulting in this presentation of anxiety. And so, yes, absolutely. That can be the case. Yeah. And I feel like most providers don't even have a follow-up visit after, especially early losses, like first trimester mm -hmm. losses. It's not like, you know, when you have a baby, you have, now we're doing more visits afterwards, but it's like you have a miscarriage and they're just like, I'm so sorry. Here are some resources, but like, see you late. You know, it's not like we have like a six week visit after that usually. I mean, most providers that I am aware of, that's not how they do it. So it's like, it probably gets missed a lot of the time too. I had two losses myself before having my son. No one ever followed up with me. Yeah. So it's not just where you're located. It's where I'm located as well, that the follow-up is missing. And it, depending on who saw you, and what's communicated to your provider. But yeah, there is not a formal follow-up process. And I think that needs to change because so For many sure. of these women are getting missed. For sure. And it just makes you feel insane. Like you're not yourself Absolutely. if you're experiencing this and you're like, wait a second, this can't be postpartum depression. I don't have a baby with, you know, mm -hmm. like this is not this. So I definitely want to make that clear to anyone who's listening. If this is you and you feel like you are having these symptoms that Asherina just talked about in the previous question, and you've had a miscarriage recently, this might be something that's going on and, and to be you know further explored. So thank you so much for answering that. So let's talk about postpartum anxiety. So there's a big difference between postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. And sometimes, you know, they kind of get grouped together and that's not correct at all. So right. this question was, what exactly is postpartum anxiety? And this person says, I think I might have it. You know, what exactly is it? They do get grouped together. So I think we're just starting to talk about this stuff more, right? I think yeah. before, like this is really new to a lot of people because a lot of people will come to me and say, like, I didn't even know this, these were things. Like, I just thought mm -hmm. postpartum depression was a thing. Mm -hmm. But women who experience postpartum anxiety report this inability to sit still, having excessive concerns about their health or their baby's health. They're typically on high alert. 
they think like something is wrong or if something is wrong, what do I do? I need to find the answers to that. Mm -hmm. They can have changes in their appetite. Typically, they will have a loss of weight. Having Mm -hmm. a hard time falling asleep is a big one. I hear from so many moms, they start to experience sleep anxiety because they think if I fall asleep, what could potentially happen? Or is Mm -hmm. the baby going to wake up? All of those things that they'll worry about. They have racing thoughts. And then there's physical symptoms that can occur. They'll have shortness of breath maybe heart palpitations, sweatiness. And it's different for everybody. But I always like to think of it as like postpartum depression typically is kind of like I might feel this loss of energy. Mm -hmm. And then anxiety is like I feel keyed up and I feel restless and I cannot calm myself down. Mm -hmm. It's typically like how I, you know, recognize the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And it can be both in my brain, like my thoughts are all over the place. And I thought through every what if scenario And also my body feels really elevated. So there's this desire to know, like when you have postpartum anxiety, I need to know the answer. So if there's something wrong with my kiddo, I need to know what's going on. Or if I think there might be Mm. something wrong with my kiddo, I need to know, I need to find Mm. out why. Right. And they experience a lot of those worst case scenarios. You know, I love that because I definitely had this (laughs) after having my son. And I'm pretty sure I have longstanding anxiety from, I mean, I've probably had anxiety for a good part of my life, but it's peaked more like since I've had my son. So I definitely can relate with this because I can think about so many times when my thoughts are just circling in my head, like, oh my God, what if he hits his head on that? Then we have to go to the hospital and we have to, you know, it's like, and I still, Uh I mean, there are still times when I have to just calm my brain down and I'm like, okay. That is your anxiety talking. That is not Liesl talking. That is not normal because just the other day I was in the car with him and he still sits rear facing and we have one of those yeah. mirrors and I like couldn't quite see him. And he had something back there that was like small enough for him to put in his mouth and choke on. And all I could think about was the fact that I almost pulled over because like all I could think about was the fact that I couldn't see him. I couldn't see his face. He wasn't talking to me because he was asleep, but, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like he could, so I'm just like, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. He's fine. He's not going to put that little toy in his mouth. I, I just... I can totally relate with this. It's my thoughts just circle and it's something that I work on. I see a therapist for, but it's just so different from postpartum depression, but just as equally needs assessment and needs help and treatment because it sucks. (laughs) Absolutely. And what you said, I had a very similar experience after having my son. I realized that I was on high alert about just about everything. Yeah. And what, what I find is that, especially when moms, moms so often will tell me, I've had anxiety throughout my life and I've been able to manage it for the most part. Mm -hmm. And then motherhood, it's like motherhood is this catalyst for the anxiety and it'll set it off. It's like you hit the threshold of what I can manage and now it's no longer manageable because now I'm worrying about far too many things and I can't keep up with it. My body can't keep up with it. My brain can't keep up with it. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, well, I'm not, well, it kind of has helped me not worry about a lot of things about myself because I'm too worried (laughs) about things for my son. But yeah, no, no, that's exactly, exactly right. It's like this event in your life has just kind of set off (laughs) crazy, crazy anxiety if you've had it and you've been able to manage it for your whole life, which ding, ding, ding. Exactly. That's what happened to me. (laughs) So cool. Well, let's talk about the next question. And this one's also really important. So this one was, let's talk about dad slash partners, mental health, and how to support him or her, you know, if you have a male or female partner through this change and when to seek help. Because I think this is also something that doesn't really get talked about, that dads and partners support people. Family members can have these kind of mental health symptoms and everybody talks about mom, which is great and supporting mom, but we don't really talk about 
partners as much because we don't think they're going to have as many issues. So what do you have to say about this? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't even realize that I get this question every single time I do a takeover, someone asks me about partners yeah. or dads. And it's a great question because it shows me that people are thinking of dads or partners. And yeah. so if mom is experiencing postpartum depression, partner is at increased risk of experiencing postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And it increases risk by about 50%. So overall, 10% of fathers or partners are experiencing a depressive, they're having depression, postpartum. I don't want, I love to call it postpartum depression. And then I know everyone has their own term for it, like postnatal, paternal depression. It's like, Uh, okay, well, we'll just say depression. We'll just say depression. Got it. Okay. (laughs) And it can look differently specifically for dads because they may be more irritable or aggressive or checked out or even distracted. So if you find that they're into their hobbies or they're like, I need to go. And they're kind of like into maybe their video games or hanging out with friends or Mm -hmm. they are like, they like to hunt or whatever they do. I don't know what they do, but Mm -hmm. if they are more checked out, more distracted, and they're kind of pulling away, these can be hallmark symptoms of a more masked depression, especially in men. So what I always encourage people to do is continue having an open dialogue. And this may be hard depending on, I don't know how well you and your partner communicate, but Mm -hmm. check in and create space for those conversations. Talk about what's going on and ask those meaningful questions where you're saying, what's been going on for you lately? You know, what do you need more of? What do you feel Mm -hmm. like is missing? What Mm -hmm. kind of feelings are coming up for you today? Instead of like those, like, how are you doing? Because typically we know those responses are, you know, I'm fine or I'm good. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And we want to explore feelings. We want to explore the overall experience. We might want to allow time for self-care. You know, what is it that you Mm -hmm. need to do for yourself today before we get started with X, Y, or Z? Mm -hmm. But also know your partner. So this might be difficult to talk about, especially with somebody who's never had an experience like this or never had to talk to somebody about it. And they may be closed off. And if you find that they are not necessarily responding to your support, this is where you have to look for outside support. And I know that, again, postpartum.net has done a really good job for partners, for dads. They have a load of resources on their website, but even particularly for dads, they have an entire, like a tab. If you go to get help and then you click on resources for dads, they have like a number of things from Facebook groups. They have a monthly call-in for dads. And I think it's like the first Monday of every month. Oh. And they just, they have a number of websites listed like postpartumdads.org. There's so many resources. And yeah, they have them all listed there. There's a whole page dedicated for that. And there are a lot of resources where people are like, I didn't even know this existed. They have them all there in one place that can help you navigate through that experience. That's so great. And I feel like this also probably gets missed a lot too, because there's no six week visit for dad, you know, like there's not. Absolutely. Yeah, no (laughs) one is up. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Well, good to know about the postpartum net. It's okay. We have a couple more questions. So this next one is, I have struggled with depression, anxiety in my life. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm so worried about my mental health issues after my baby is born. What should I do? So this is also a question I get every single time. So prior mental health history, it's a risk factor but it's not a guarantee. So you're not necessarily going to experience this, but I think it's good that you're asking those questions and being proactive. So I always tell people, be proactive. If you're worried, get connected with a provider and talk about any shifts in your mood. There's no harm in following with a therapist or any kind of provider that you feel comfortable seeing. 
throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. This way, someone's following up throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. They're checking to see like, you know what? It seems like you're a bit more anxious or, you know what? I find mm-hmm. that you're, you seem a little more down. Oh, tell me about that. You want someone to be keeping their eyes on you, essentially. Finding a support group is really helpful and asking for help and having it in place. I cannot tell you how important this is. So all of those like mundane tasks that you have to return home to, make sure you get that all set up if you can before Mm -hmm. you even have a baby. I always tell people like, what are the things that you do not want to do after you have a baby that you feel like are going to make you feel more overwhelmed? Maybe it's Mm -hmm. creating meals. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's cleaning your house. Maybe it's taking care of your pets. I don't know what it is, but maybe ask your people, whoever they are, help you in kind of navigating through some of those things and having people that can support you along the way. And another thing is if you've taken medication in the past, be mindful of this because you may be taking it again throughout pregnancy and postpartum. So I think there's this misconception that I cannot take medication when I'm pregnant or when I'm breastfeeding. And that is so false. Not true. It's not true. Yes. Yeah. And you, there are several medications that are safe to take that can help improve your mood. And talking to a reproductive psychiatrist is so important. And another, I'm just going to throw this one out there again, postpartum.net. Yeah. (laughs) They also have, they also have a psychiatric consult line. So like if your provider or your OB is comfortable prescribing with appropriate consultation, they will have a professional that has an expertise in perinatal mental health, consult with them and help them decide which medication to prescribe you. Cool. Awesome. Gosh, the postpartum.net places hopping. Yes. Um, so this last question, I think I know the first answer you're going to say, I think I have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. What should I do? And I think your answer, one of your answers is going to be, Hey, go to postpartum.net. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. That's always the answer. <laughs> and so I always tell people, if you're feeling off, there is never too early a time to get help. You never want to yeah. wait until you're in crisis to get help. Yeah. I mean, if you're in crisis and you need help, obviously get the help that you need. But if you're just feeling slightly off and you want to explore what's going on, go ahead and get it checked out. There is no harm in doing that. So they're kind of like a three-prong approach to treatment that I always tell people about. Individual therapy is, I mean, I don't think it can be replaced. And that maybe it's not no. just because I'm yeah. a, a provider, but because I know what research shows and I know what people tell me in therapy. And I've been doing therapy for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. So getting with a skilled therapist is very important. But I also don't want to underestimate the power of social support. Mm-hmm. Women need to feel connected. This has sure. been researched, studied, and talked about quite often. Women want to feel supported. And most women in the postpartum experience who are experiencing depression or anxiety will say, I feel very isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. So, I need friends. Yes. I need yeah. people who understand me, yeah. right? I need non-judgmental friends. Yeah. So getting connected with a support group, it can be online and it can be in person. And it doesn't have to be like a postpartum mood disorder group kind of thing. It can mm-hmm. be anything. Just, I mean, yeah. it could be, I don't care if you're going to like a breastfeeding support group or if you're going to a faith-based support group. It's really, it can be anything where you feel like you are heard, where you are validated, where someone understands your experience and you're not alone. So this that. is really good. And also knowing when it's a good time to seek medication intervention. And it's not a bad thing. I know that this gets a bad rap and people are like, I don't want to take medication or that shows a sign of weakness. And that is so untrue. And you don't have to suffer if you Mm -hmm. don't have to suffer. Right. So Mm -hmm, for sure, those three approaches are really helpful. And I guess, again, postpartum.net has the resources listed on their website and they will have free social support 
meetups in your area as well as virtual support groups. They oh, have great. individual providers. They have psychiatric providers. And they're all like according to your region. So if you go to their website, they will have a map and you click on your area and they will come up. There will be a coordinator in your area that you can contact or you can just look up the names of specific providers in your area. That's great. And I feel like I wanted to talk about a couple of things in regards to this question, but in terms of therapy, I think a lot of people don't realize that if you have health insurance, like you can run your health insurance and a lot of times it can be a copay that you pay instead of paying, you know, a hundred or $150 to see a provider. And there's also usually a tier system or a, like a sliding scale, sliding scale. Right. So if you don't make a million dollars a year, you, you know, you, right. you don't have the income, you don't feel like you don't have the income to seek help. A lot of times you can, they'll work with you. You know, these providers like, and you know this, you're a provider, like they want to help you. It's not like they're trying to just take your money. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I accept insurance because I recognize that by not accepting insurance, I've automatically eliminated a large population of people from right. getting help. So it's right. very important to me to accept insurance. And that's true. So providers will offer a sliding scale. And then also I always give alternatives to people. There's a couple of alternatives. If you don't have the insurance coverage for mental health services, find a support group that is free. That's the first Mm -hmm. thing you can do. You can find these not only on postpartum.net, but if you go to your local hospital, most likely you will find a support group there. They offer tons of free resources. Another thing is checking out your local universities and colleges. Yeah, the university I went to, we had a training clinic. So a master's level therapist would see you prior to like getting their doctorate degree. We would we would actually see patients in our clinic for a very low fee. And I believe we would charge like 10 or 20 bucks a session. That's great. And yeah, and we would see um, clients and we were being supervised by a licensed psychologist. And so if it was outside of our competency, they would tell us this is outside your competency. So everything was being, you know, they record it all. They are checking to see that everything is done and done well and ethically. So the colleges and universities are options. Like I said, local hospitals to check out and just figuring out if there are free resources in your community. There are some local to me in the Phoenix area. So just being able to ask even your insurance company, if there are any no fee or low fee providers, or maybe your OB or, you know, your midwife or whomever it is that you're connected with has and knows those resources can be very helpful. That's so great. And I did want to add too, that I actually just created today another Facebook group that is a postpartum Facebook group because with my birth courses that I sell, I have a Facebook group that you can join just to share your experience and share birth stories and read birth stories. And that group is just for people who purchase my birth course. But I just had a request the other day. Somebody was like, hey, you know, a bunch of us have delivered. Is there a group that you have, Liesl, that is a postpartum group? And I was like, oh no, but I can... I can make one. So I just did that today. And I will link that. Anybody who's listening who wants to join it, it's just, you don't have to purchase one of my birth courses. You can just join it. I will link that in the show notes to that Facebook group because I've had, I I see them right now coming through like people requesting because I literally like a couple hours ago just made it and posted it on my other Facebook groups. So, hey, I got a resource for you. I got a support group. I actually forgot to add something for moms that are experiencing pregnancy after loss. I completely blanked on this, Yeah, yeah. but there is a resource. If you go to pregnancyafterlosssupport.org, uh-huh. it's a terrific resource. Pals, they have an Instagram page, but they also have a website and there are virtual and in-person meetups 
and you can get connected with other moms and experts in the area that will offer support for pregnancy after loss. That's great. Well, we'll add that to the show notes page as well for people to look at as a resource. That is wonderful. Well, that's awesome. We wrapped up our questions. Thank you so much, Ajarina, for being here. Can you quickly just remind people, because I know you are in the social space as I am. So can you just remind people of where they can find you? Yes. So I am Psyched Mommy on Instagram, and that is P-S-Y-C-H-E-D-M-O-M-M-Y. And that's also my website. So it's psychedmommy.com. And you can email me at hello at psychedmommy.com. It's all very, very uniform and easy, but that is how you get a hold of me. I currently offer virtual therapy to Arizona residents. I briefly put a hold on that because I got quite a few consults, but I should be opening up some space here moving forward. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. Yeah, I feel like this is just a wealth of information. So thank you. Thank you again. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So that is it for this episode of the mommy labor nurse podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, please head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I want to hear from you on how much you enjoyed this episode of the podcast or how much you hated it. All right. I will see you same time, same place next week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.